Oh yeah, I was just getting down to the theme sounds. Actually, I've, I, I've heard that music so many times now because obviously I always have to listen back and just check that I've got everything sort of leveled up. And, uh, and I do have that little piece of music stuck in my head now. Anyway, hopefully it does the same for you, but in a positive way and you hear it and you think, hooray, we're back. Anyway, thank you for joining me. Episode number 13 wowzers we got to 13 isn't that incredible um and hopefully there's many 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 more to come um today the podcast is being brought to you by not talking about the weather hopefully i won't be talking about the weather too much um uh, all i need to say to you is that it's been raining and hailing and it's cold again like winter so that's all i'm gonna say um, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we're back into summer again, or full-blown spring. Anyway, enough. Next week, there's not going to be any mention of the weather at all. Done. Anyway, so this is number 13, and uh, this week we are joined by my friend and old housemate and chum of many a year now, Mr. Tony Higgins. Tony Higgins, who uh, we knew each other from being... Uh, well, I directed him first of all, and um, then he's acted in plays of mine, and then we've acted together in plays. Um, but Tony is better known at the moment for writing for the BBC television shows Casualty and Holby. And Tony's been writing for those for, ooh, I think maybe, uh, could be going into two years now. don't think it's any more than that. But anyway, it's been a while. And he's going to tell us all about that's so I'm really looking forward to talking to Tony. Um, so again, thank you so much for joining. Um, keep voting for me at Podcast Land, and, and just because I want to stay in the top ten, might have slipped. It goes up and down, as I said in the last podcast. But keep voting at PodcastLand.com, um, and uh, a beginner's guide to a forty-something gay man, which is what this podcast is. Um, so jump in and and do that please, um, if you haven't already, because I think you're only allowed to do it once. But anyway, if you haven't, and all you people all around the world, jump in and do that for me, because um, I really do appreciate it. Um, just very couple of couple of um, business bits, any other minutes. Um, the iTunes reviews have still gone astray, and it's proving really difficult to find them. And I've not been able to get hold of anyone. Trying to get hold to speak to somebody directly at Apple is impossible. I mean, if I went into the store, they're not going to be much help with this kind of thing. So I'm I, I'm still searching and I've sent some emails out. So I'll uh, I'll let you know if you can do that. But the, the good bad news is other podcasters, I've spoken to one um, in the meantime who has also had reviews go astray. Um, so... There's a lot of us trying to find our reviews. And if anyone knows and you're listening and you know how to find them, then do get in touch, please, via, obviously, via the SoundCloud links or the website or any of the links through iTunes. Get in touch with me. Anyway, um, so that's where that is. So in the meantime, if you are feeling prone and you're having a lovely day and you've got a few, a few minutes, you're sat on the beach, you're on a train... Uh, you're just kind of feet up on the sofa wherever you are in the world and you've got some time 
Um, and if you're not, if you're running around having a busy day, if you could just put a little reminder on your phone or something to just jump into SoundCloud and write me a nice review, that would be amazing in the meantime, um, until we get this iTunes situation sorted. Anyway, um, some recommendations, some quick recommendations before we jump in with Tony. Um, this week, really, my main recommendations are for other podcasts. Um, the one I want to uh, bring up first of all, of course, is uh, my brilliant guest from last week, Major, and the Straight Up Gay podcast. And if I haven't plugged it enough, I'm going to plug it one more time. Do please jump in and have a listen. His guests are are brilliant and they're from all around the world and from throughout the LGBTQ experience. Um, and uh, they're fascinating. So go ahead and, and, and have a listen and subscribe to him. Um, and I'm looking forward to perhaps uh, having further chats with him down the line. And as I say, we sort of discussed that maybe we'll be getting uh, him in on the Christmas idea when we get to that point. Anyway, don't know, talk about Christmas. Don't talk about Christmas. Don't talk about Christmas. Not yet. Um, so, uh, so that's the first podcast recommendation. Straight up gay. The next one is a podcast called Living the Dream by Rory O'Malley. Now, some of you may recognise the name Rory O'Malley. Um, some of you definitely will know, and the theatre buffs and the musical theatre buffs will 100% know who I'm talking about. Rory O'Malley is a lovely gentleman who is currently starring in, uh, has been on Broadway in Hamilton, and is currently on a US tour of Hamilton, playing the king, um, and was also in the Book of Mormon. Um, in the, I think, in the original cast uh, over on Broadway. And anyway, he's a charming fella. And the podcast is really, it's called Living the Dream. And it's kind of his, he interviews people again from kind of every level of theatre. So it's kind of one for theatre heads, but I think it also relates to the real world. And you can kind of put his stuff into, and some of the, the theories that kind of come out at the end of a podcast, the summations um, actually makes sense in the real world. So do have a listen. Um, and I say his guests are varied from Josh Gad to, I mean, two people who are, he's, who are currently starring in Hamilton with him on tour. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, some wonderful guests. Um, so, uh, and, and it's really, he's just, say, it's charming and it's fun. Um, and you don't need to be a theatre head. Uh, to jump in and listen to that. So that's another recommendation. Go and subscribe and download that one. Um, and then a final one is one called Law. And not law as in uh, law that we practice. Um, it's as in uh, L-O-R-E. Folk law, I suppose, would be the word that we would take that from. So Law, um, and it's a bi-weekly podcast... And I'm just going to look at my phone to give you the description about this one, because I want to be quite specific, um, about the dark historical tales that fuel our modern superstitions. Each episode explores the world of mysterious creatures, tragic events, and unusual places. Because sometimes the truth is more frightening than fiction. Ooh, it's really good. Um, it does what it, I've just said, what it says on the tin. Um, I just 
can only recommend do that it's 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 escapism um and uh and it's quite nice and sometimes that's one i listen to if i'm in the bath and i've got a candle on and maybe a glass of wine um it's kind of one to slightly spook yourself out um but uh the presenter's brilliant and his voice is, is wonderful and very atmospheric. The whole thing's very atmospheric. So jump in and listen to that and subscribe to that one. And then one final thing before we get Tony in is there is a new track. Just one track this week. It's not a whole album. Um, and I can't find much about this lady. She's called Moss Kenner. And it's Moss as in Moss, M-O-S-S. And Kenner is key, key. K-E-N-A, um, and I've read it described as R&B Future Soul. And it was actually something that iTunes, you know, they give you the suggestions when you're signed up to the, uh, I'm kind of signed up to the monthly thing with them, and it came up as a suggestion of something I might like, and I definitely did. And the track is called 48, featuring J Prince by Moss Kenner. Um, and as I say, I've had a search around, and she has uh, she has a Twitter at Moss Kenner, um, and there's not much else. So I think she might just be sort of new. I wish I could tell you more. Um, my best description of her would be something like I don't know, um, a, a modern day Aaliyah, or um, when I gave you the um, recommendation of Anderson Pack a few weeks back, it kind of in that world, in that vein, future soul. <laughs> anyway, do have a listen to that. But I believe it's time for a guest. And the guest is Mr. Tony Higgins. And we are in. Hello, Tony. Hello. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Tony Higgins, a friend of mine from many a year. Um, Tony, if you'd first of all like to tell us what you're doing with your life at the moment something that the audience will be very interested in um well i'm a writer um i've been writing for holby city and casualty for the last couple of years um it is two years good i thought yeah. it was two years yeah it's been just yeah actually coming up to three now um oh right yeah but um is it that long yeah yeah june june 2014 no, no, yeah made oh the my change. goodness yeah. i didn't realize it that long <laughs> which we will come back to later um to delve into get the juicy gossip from the inside or just your own juicy gossip of your own life in birth. but anyway so first of all if you'd like to tell us uh your your age if you don't mind telling us your age if you're yes. not precious about that no no i'm 37 there we go a babe in arms um <laughs> and where you were born and where your base is in the world now yes i was born in birmingham um in a place called chelmsley wood which is like the birmingham version of the shameless estate and um <laughs> yeah i still live there now but i sort of go backwards and forwards i live half my time in essex and then the rest of the time here but i live a bit of a uh, a nomad existence, nomad existence. Mm. sometimes in cardiff as well well for yeah for work for Car- cardiff sometimes but yeah i can normally be fine in different places in the country on different days so. travel lodges around the world <laughs> just friends beds basically friends beds and, and yeah and travel lodges and travel lodges I know you do yeah. that's, that's a part of your yeah. life nowadays um, so would you describe yourself as a screenwriter is that I thought you were going to say a screamer <laughs> are you a scre- well I mean you know maybe you are yes I would say I'm a, a screaming screenwriter <laughs> a screaming screenwriter um, and 
sort of an, an actor-ish sometimes. Yes, yeah, I haven't done any acting for quite a while now, but um, yeah, I do, do still do bits of corporate role-playing things just to keep my hand in and keep keep the practice level. But um, yeah, I'd like to do a bit more acting in the future at some point, but um, yeah, I'm very focused on the writing. Of, of, yeah, because it's, uh, it's earning you a few bob. Yeah. yeah. Keeping you in chocolate. <laughs> Not quite that much. <laughs> um, so, Tony, I know this, but I'm going to ask you because it sounds ridiculous. How do we know each other? What's your version? Because I think I've given my version in the intro. So, okay. what's your version? I, I w- um, well, I first met you in a random hall. I think it was somewhere when I was auditioning. A random hall. A random hall um, for the Gaydar Diaries. Um, I just finished drama school and. Um, yeah, I was very lucky that I just finished drama school and I went straight into a paid job. Um, well, actually, it wasn't paid then, was it? For a couple of months or so, All right. I think. But yeah, <laughs> but um, which is about my only paid acting work, really. <laughs> to be fair, but um, yeah, we um, we met doing that, and we we did an audition, and it was just like trying to do lots of different sketch characters and stuff. And, so that uh, was. The Gaydar Diaries. That was the Gaydar Diaries. From a previous guest, Menno. From Menno. Yeah. Menno, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, we ended up being housemates um, a few years later. So yeah. I, I lived with you and Keith for about four years, I think it was. was it four years? It was about four years, yeah. It was, actually. About 2008, we moved in. Um, and um, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, and then from there, we also did lot, well, quite a few other shows. We did Laughter Under the Bombs, I bet you'd Oh, my God, I'd forgotten, forgotten about, yeah. that. I mean, you know, it was, it was a wonderful piece of theatre, but I'd completely forgotten Because it was that. very quick. It was all, you know, done in a couple of weeks. Three and day, then, yeah, yeah, it was like a three-day performance. Like, we did two versions, two mm. nights of it or something. Wow, yeah. I'd completely forgotten that. And then um, I did your play, Lightning Strikes, which was great. And we did that um, over in Dublin. And then... Which seems like... This is like all my guests were in that show. Yeah. No, it's only been two of you so far, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then um and then you directed uh one of well, my second play, Dogging. There which, we go. Yeah, which that yeah. show coming up again. And it always comes back round. Who <laughs> yeah. couldn't enjoy a bit of dogging? <laughs> well um and then there's one other show. Um and yeah, the other show was The Temperamentals, which was the, the last show I did, actually. That was my last bit of acting. Oh, God, was yeah. it was your last acting? Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, I'm never doing anything ever again. No, you had a wonderful experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Good play. No, it, was, it was very good. Good play. Um, Marvellous. And we, we'll, we'll delve into those areas a little bit more as we go along. Um, so, um, actually, this. So let's just jump kind of towards your... Um, well, how was school? Let's talk about school. School was great. I had um, had a really good. Um... Yeah, because you like school. Yeah, yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah, I know. Not very common. Well, I don't know. I have. It has been interesting hearing other people's experiences, mm. and um, you know, so different to mine. Um, you know, I was very lucky. I, I mean, I went to a primary school, and weirdly, I, there was a little bit of bullying at my primary school in the sense that people thought I was posh. Which no one can ever believe, because you know it's um, Birmingham council estate. But the fact that um, you know I wanted to learn and stuff like that, and I was a bit of a swat, made people say things like, "Oh, have you got a butler?" and stuff like that. And it's like, 
goodness sakes. Honestly, I live in a council house. It's not, not like I'm going to have a butler. But um, that was that was primary school. But then my secondary school was really, really good. It was um, one of the first academies. Uh, it's uh, called a yeah. City Technology College. And they, they have them all around. They've popped up. And then a lot of them have turned into academies now. Yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was an excellent, excellent education. It was like really good teachers. Um, they did the International Baccalaureate, which you know, is more in now, but was very uncommon back when I did it then yeah, and just days. absolutely amazing and I think I've always been quite critical of a lot of places I went to afterwards in the sense that it was such an amazing college uh. that anything after that I mean my university was brilliant as well actually to be fair but then drama schools afterwards was always a bit sort of like you know that that could be better couldn't it and um, I'm, and in one case that was dreadful but I won't go into that emphasis on <laughs> drama schools I, I went to two I went to to um one which I won't, which I won't mention, but it, it yeah. doesn't exist anymore, right, shall we right, say? Right, right, right. Um, yes, finally got the chop, and then the other drama school um, was, was much better. Actually, yeah. But so you, you 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 left one because you weren't happy with it. Basically. Yeah, basically, as in, as did a quarter of my class. <laughs> Interestingly, mm. but it shall remain nameless, um, and I'm sure people will now be googling to see what that is. If you search for it, I'm sure you'll find it. Anyway, that's another story. So. Um, as far as as far as bullying within school, you never you never experienced any I mean, apart from. I mean, you said you mm. know because you were pot, they thought you were posh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous, <laughs> literally. Never, I mean, you know, it's it's great. <laughs> oh, Bennett. Um, so I mean, it'd be like people saying that I'm, but people do think I'm posh, and I'm really not. Anyway, well, it's like having Twiggy from the royal family and saying he's posh. It's just re- <laughs> ludicrous, but you know, uh, yes. Um, but did you ever experience any bullying because of uh, people picking on you because they were aware of your sexuality? Or I only ever had one instance, which was there was a guy at school who um, I liked and I was invited by his friends to go to a birthday party. Mm. And at the birthday party, I found out that there was, there was a girl who'd been invited um, because she was black and there was someone else who was invited for some other reason and I was invited because I was the gay boy and obviously fancied the host and they thought it was very funny to have invited me because it would make it, him feel uncomfortable or whatever it was oh, or God. I don't know it was it was yeah that was my one experience and I heard them all sort of bitching at me on the stairs and um, I sort of like just walked down the stairs and I was like honestly oh, no, it's pathetic and just walked out and mm. um, yeah that was my one and only experience of, of sort of any homophobic bullying because the school was great you know generally you know that was a few bad kids on the whole people tended to know I was gay I didn't exactly come out fully but I, you know I told you didn't them know, you didn't feel the need because people who were clever enough kind of were aware of it anyway so yeah right. I mean there was there was an element where a friend of mine who He's married uh, to, to a woman and, mm. and not gay. Um, where he was bullied for people thinking he was gay, and pe- I did remember a couple of people sort of saying to me, "Why are you hanging around with that puff?" Mm. Which you know, it's not like exactly I'm subtle, but you know, it, he was camper than me, shall we say? Right. But um, so there was there was a few. Mm-hmm. You're always going to get a few. But on the whole, the, the school was really good, and the kids were really good, and you know, that sort of behaviour on the whole wasn't tolerated it was just a few bad eggs which so you what always years, get just to give people a kind um, of what years we're we talking about well I that, I would be talking sort of 1995 1996 when it was my last two years at school and then going into college wow um, yeah and so but it was 
it was quite exceptional for that time. I was I was very lucky. I had a unlucky existence. I mean, I come out sort of at fifteen, and people didn't come out at fifteen really back then. It was like mm. I think your average age was probably about twenty two or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, well, didn't yeah. You? So or it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, a, lot, a lot of cases. Yeah, um, it's, um, well, to family anyway. Um, so yeah, so school was actually. I mean, this is interesting because my guest last week, uh, major, was say it was talking about we were kind of comparing and contrasting our guests mm. and saying about how much positivity he's had and he's been surprised that a lot of the stories are people's kind of coming out moments have all been really 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 positive and I was saying well we've kind of had with my guests apart from one and now two with you mm. is the younger well now you were in the makes, it makes you in the younger section oh, you, you, God, you, I haven't been in the younger section for years well, but yeah. well done you're now back in <laughs> um, that people sort of from a certain period had less had less issues at school and kind mm. of the ones who are a little bit not that, that any of the guests are that much older yeah. than you I know I think if I'd gone to the school next door or if I'd gone to the school just you know a couple of roads away from me I would have had serious problems mm. um I think it was just a very progressive school. It was it was a sort of school where you didn't have to go out at lunchtime. You were allowed to stay in class. You know, you you you'd have hung right. around the, the classrooms and stuff like that. You weren't turfed out. You were treated as, as adults. You you know you were called you know students as opposed to pupils. It was called a city mm-hmm. technology college, mm-hmm. and that made you feel like oh you were at college rather than a school. And it was it was just a very very good place really. And it's I, quite I think a healthy atmosphere to be in. Yeah, know. and I don't know whether they selected the kids intentionally for sort of like wanting to get on but it did feel like it was like the students were motivated on the whole to be there rather than you know um, wanting to mess around so I think that m- made a big difference really. just to do a test you did have to do a test uh, yeah okay. yeah. but uh, I think that uh, the test wasn't like they would only accept the best kids mm-hmm. I think they had to have a proportion of all different levels um, so yeah it wasn't right so it wasn't really it wasn't like for the bright kids for the kid, mm-hmm. yeah for the clever bunch yeah, though I'm sure you were at the top of the <laughs> class, um, as you said you were. Um, so then that kind of does bring us to you talking about coming out and being at school. Hmm. So when, what was your coming out process? So where were you? So you came out. Did you go out? Hmm. Did you come out to your family first, to friends, or did you go out and discover being gay by myself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I I come out. Well, I suppose really my first steps were coming out where it was at fourteen. Um, and I was doing a pantomime. I was doing Aladdin. <laughs> Going to come out anywhere? <laughs> yeah, playing Widow Twanky. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and oh yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, if we can find some pictures, I will. I will link them. I'm going to ask Tony to search for them. Luminell. Somebody yeah. actually did post a picture where it was a picture of me on the front of a program once. But yeah, so probably around Facebook somewhere. But um, so yeah, Jamelia was my daughter in pantomime as well. Oh yes. Now for people around the world, Jamelia is a singer from. She was very popular in the nineties. Nineties, yeah. yeah. And then early noughties, and uh, she was. Uh, she was. Yeah, I don't know what kind of music R and B. Yeah. Anyway, Google so. it and you'll find out. So. Anyway, so you were in the pantomime. But yeah, there was um, and it was there was a couple of other gays I think in the cast and stuff like that. And I just realised that I, you know, I was I wasn't thinking I was specifically gay. I was thinking I'm probably bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, I had quite a different experience of sort of like knowing I was gay and where it happened in my life. I think to most gay men and probably most of your guests, yeah. where it happened late on for me. I don't. F- I don't actually feel I was born gay, which which a lot of people okay. will 
people going mad about it, but I always think, no, well, no, what's... No, 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 that's... Yeah. Go on. Mm, but I, I mean, for me, I feel probably I was born bisexual, like a lot of people okay. were. And it was just one of those things that sort of emerged through maybe experience and various things. And I'm gay now, and I've been gay since... Oof, well, probably since I was about 17 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, I, I don't feel it was necessarily... It wasn't cut and dry. No, I don't necessarily feel, feel it was a sort of... It was like I was born... Because I didn't have them experiences when I was like four or six or eight where it's sort of like I fancied my best friend. There was mm. maybe slight feelings towards males, but there was more stronger feelings towards females at that point, which feels odd and bizarre. And, you okay. know, like it, it, I can understand how people would think, oh, well, you, you must be born gay. But, yeah, for me, it didn't really work out that way. So I'm quite open-minded. And I think some people are born gay. I think some people, it's a sort of a a mixture of environmental things. I think a lot of people probably are born in a sort of bisexual state. And depending on what their experiences are around them and and stuff, they will go towards one sex or the other. Um, I mean, that's a really interesting take. And I think we've discussed this back in the past. But, yeah... um, the gay men often find that quite difficult to get their heads around. In a well, I suppose way. for somebody who's kind of similar mm. to myself, I've kind of it's not ever been a question. But do you think that's possibly because you weren't, for want of a better description, you weren't sexualized? Maybe, but I think you have feelings. I mean, the thing is, it's sort of like a lot of gay men will talk about. Feelings towards you know actively fancying yeah, their, yeah, yeah. Their, their 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 friend at school yeah, 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 who was yeah. five or six We've or got whatever. A few of those. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't I did fancy girls at mm-hmm. school. I, I, I did actually. I mean, I do remember maybe one or two where there was little bits of feelings towards male friends, probably around age ten or something like mm-hmm, that. Maybe mm-hmm. the first one, but yeah, no, certainly. I mean, that can be. That doesn't even necessarily mean it's sexual. No, because no. crushes happen. It's exactly, yeah. but it, it it definitely felt like a sort of, um, you know, it was pretty much girls solely. Then it was girls and guys, and now now since for forever it feels has been just guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just men yeah. all the way. Well, no, that's I know, and and I well, I think that's the thing. I think that's the interesting thing, and hopefully this is what having you know people like yourselves come and talk about this is that there are so many different ways to get to not that you were trying mm. to work towards gay is the aim yeah but to, to where you end up in mm. life and who knows I think we were talking about before we recorded about fluidity generally yeah. and gender fluidity and sexuality also goes kind of kind yeah. of goes into that it's, it's, I, just, you don't if you don't if, if you if you are like I can 100% hand on heart say that I am cut and dried and I, there isn't any question mm. Um, and I know, Alex, you're saying you probably, you, you know, that's where you are. But I think if people just d- d- change their minds or taste change, like people's taste change of food, mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I do get a bit yeah. angry when people feel the well, need yeah. to attack it because it's something they don't know, I suppose. I think what happens with it as well is when people go on about it being a choice. And I think that's a different thing. I think you don't choose something like that, whether things change environmentally you know, and, you know, your, your existence, you, you change sexuality as life mm-hmm. goes on. Mm-hmm. It's not like somebody goes and makes an active choice and goes, oh, now I'm going to be straight or I'm going to be gay, I'm going to be a lesbian, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It's it's more, it just happens. It just does, just does happen. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I find it a strange sort of thing where people feel like they've got to be like, well, no, we need to fight for this, that you are born, born this way. It's sort of like, well, that's saying that there's almost like we have to fight for it because there's a problem with it. There's not a problem with it. So mm-hmm. why should it matter how mm-hmm. somebody comes to be that way? Yeah, mm. I think it's, like you say, it's horses for courses. And I think mm. if you do feel you're born that way and you want to 
state you can say that and that's yeah. fine about yourself but it doesn't mean that everybody necessarily yeah. arrives in that same place in the same way so exactly interesting um, so yeah so so you were in the panto yes sorry um, and then yes going back to <laughs> it's always back to panto with these podcasts I digress I digress <laughs> thank you that's your catchphrase. Um, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, no, um, so from there I went to a youth group and I got to know um, quite a lot of guys. The youth group was for 15 to 25 year olds. Right. Uh, um, and I think you had people live from both ends. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm 15. Oh, yes, I'm 25, you know. In there. And um, so I used to go to two different youth groups and that and got to know a lot of guys from there. And um, yeah, it's it's funny how that was sort of like my, my dating life was very um very rich then, more more so than it is nowadays. I think because you know, it's like a kid in a candy shop, you suddenly go, right. Oh, I'm potentially attractive to guys and you know, you don't realise you know I think as as a gay guy at fifteen, I think you're also more appealing to other guys than you are girls. I think Right, right, you know, right, right. You know, it, it's it was a very strange experience, sort of like the oh I'm getting attention. Um, and that did make my confidence the world of good. Yeah. Um, and so I went, I went to the youth group for a good few years. Then. And so how did you discover the youth group? Um, Gay Times. I used to have it right. listed in the back of there. Okay. And so I, I just uh, tootled along one Saturday. And you had to meet outside this place called Open Door. I remember they used to call it um, in this sort of backwater of Birmingham, right by right by Livery Street, um, which is like this uh, notorious dodgy. Dodgy part of Birmingham. It sounds dodgy. Livery Street. I think all the Rent Boys used to hang around there as well. But um, but yeah, (laughs) Rent Boys and Youth Group. Well, you know, yeah, lovely. Some time. But but we, um, yeah, used to go there, and then you'd have to get a bus and uh, to this place called Nietzsche. I know you'd have to meet in this blindfold. Blindfold. Yeah, you're taken there. (laughs) Go on the back of a hawk. (laughs) But yeah, you'd have to get a bus there, and yeah, Nietzsche was a very dodgy part of Birmingham, and. yeah, you'd go into this youth centre there, and all I remember is week after week we'd be doing things like painting mugs. I don't know how many mugs you'd have painted it. Wait, painting yeah, they thought that was a great activity, you know. And it... <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many mugs you can paint before you get bored. But yeah, what, in rainbow just... colours. Or... Well, just like oh, here's a load of paints. Paint a mug this week, and it'd be like okay, no one's really bothered about painting mugs. <laughs> You're just seeing who the new guys are this week, basically. <laughs> But um, but okay, yeah, so it was. But it was. It was. It was good fun. You know, I had um, had a many a year at the youth group, which I enjoyed. But um, and then I just made some friends from there. And actually, I've still got one um one friend I see regularly this day from from the youth group days. Right. So um, yeah, it's wow. Yeah. So mugs and youth groups to now, and you're still you're still chums. Um, mm. so from there, what was the point that you talked to your family about? the situation or did you or did you was it just accepted how, how did it work well, I was quite a, I was a bit of a wild child at 15 because I was sort of like um, I was keeping everything very hidden and I used to go out on the Saturdays and on the Wednesday nights they had another group type thing mm. and I even went to a, like a university group as well and sort of you know you, you were allowed in weirdly enough but yeah I, I, I just wanted to meet lots of different guys and stuff <laughs> as bad as that sounds um, I just wanted to meet as many men as possible in as little time as I could <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But um yes, yeah, so I used to sneak out and I used to do things like I used to um 
I had this way of sneaking out the house and getting my boyfriend to pick me up where I'd prop things up underneath my, the, my, the duvet and then put the bed in front of the door and so if my mum was to open the door it would just bang against the door and she wouldn't know I was out and she wouldn't know I weren't in bed so I used oh to God, I used to flush the, I know I used to do all that and I used to flush the, back, the, the toilet chain sneak out at the back lock it and then go off in um, in my, my boyfriend's mini which um <laughs> <laughs> I used to drive me clubbing and stuff and then I'd come back in the morning I mean I didn't do this all the time but no. every now and again I, I used to get away with doing stuff like that if she was working a night shift and stuff and so what were you like climbing down a drain pipe kind of thing? sort of type thing but I, you know I, I wouldn't trust myself to climb me down a drain pipe I'd, <laughs> I'd break my neck knowing me so yeah it was sort of sneaking out the back door and just making a lot of noise to try and camouflage the sound of going out but um, oh. but yeah so I, I yeah I, I used to go clubbing and pubbing and stuff like that and then eventually I've just got the image of you in the mini grinning as, as the house disappears into <laughs> oh, I used to think I was in dynasty it was sort <laughs> of like yeah it was, it was that sort of thing it was but, um, but I, or having an EastEnders exit you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> but um yeah, eventually I sort of got caught because um, I made out I was a, a friends out a lot, and um, mm. and my I think I had a mobile. Now I can't actually remember this story right mm. because my memory is evidently wrong. Because <laughs> I remember it as I was having a phone conversation with my mum, sort of saying, "Oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm at this friend's house." When again, when I was fifteen, mm. and her getting cut off and thinking there was something wrong, and going to the address where it was, and the address actually existed which I didn't realise I'd, I'd said it was Richmond Road and because there was this pub called the Richmond Pub mm-hmm. and it turns out it actually was Richmond Road um, and so she went to this little old woman's house and she'd never heard of me and so oh, she was no. worried and oh it was yeah anyway got a long story short because it is a long story yeah, yeah. Um, I I told her then and um, and I, I come out as bisexual which I, you know I felt I was at that time yeah, yeah, as well yeah. Um and so I told my mum and then my mum told my sister and my nan um, she didn't tell my dad she didn't think uh, you know it would probably um, be advisable to really in a right. way because my, I mean my dad was a lovely lovely fella but he, he was he was like a a child in a way he was uh-huh, like uh-huh. Um, he had a very sort of like childlike mentality he was mm-hmm. so sweet and sort of like I think he would have just worried about me. Right, he would right. have just worried that you know I was going to get picked on and stuff. And he come from a place, um, you, you know, a little village um, in Scotland, where nobody would ever come out as gay, mm-hmm. um, and it was very Catholic background and stuff. And I think things have moved on there from you know from back then. Sure. Um, but it just wouldn't have been something which, you know, not. I don't think he would have loved me any less or been awkward with me or anything like that he would have just worried yeah uh, I actually never told my dad and people always think that's a yeah, terrible yeah. thing and it's strange because again I view this quite differently to a lot of people where people think that you should always come out to people and they don't get to know you I remember even on a, a RuPaul's Drag Race the other week that you were depriving there somebody there we go it ca- this is yeah, the it's first, come first mention this week of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'll be another two I'm sure but, <laughs> yeah. but um, that yeah. you're, you're depriving someone of getting to know you if they don't know your sexuality and I thought that's an interesting quote and I thought there's an element of that where I think it's sort of true, but I also dispute it in some ways, in mm. the sense that we all have relationships with different people, you know, you know, your parents, your sister, your friends, your family, and you don't talk about everything with 
each one of the, those people. No, and I, mean, I know it true. seems a massive thing, your sexuality, but I, like, I would never talk to my family about sex, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just would never, whereas I know some people would. You know, they talk regularly to, you know, I've got a friend who talks to his mum about everything he does in bed, and that, to me, that's just odd. But it's, yeah. but for him, it's right. So, no, it's, no, exactly. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm with you. If I think it's probably just I'm a bit more old fashioned, mm. maybe. Personally, well, I think most people are, would be with you. I think most people would find it strange, that, you know, to, to family about that mm. stuff. Well, yeah. certainly not, definitely not parents. Yeah. Siblings is slightly different, but yeah, parents is not, uh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. But anyway, so yeah. But even with like sexuality, I think most people would be in the other camp where it's not like you're you're hiding from your true self if you're you, if you're not out to your parents. But I think it all all depends on the relationship you've got with your parents. Mm. And yeah, it'd be different if I'd had a partner, a long-term partner, and mm. you know, I was living with them and stuff like that. But for me, it was always just like, well, I don't want to upset me. I don't want my dad to worry about me. And from the background he's come from, it might be an issue for him. It might be difficult for him yeah. to cope with. So it's sort of irrelevant who, who I'm dating or you know with it, it 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 didn't it didn't feel like it was an issue that ever needed to happen i, I could have so seen it wasn't that it really part of your your relationship no it, no it wasn't it no, wasn't no, no relationship sexuality just wasn't there no and well, you know I, I and like i my relationship with my, with my dad as a sort of say he was very childlike so mm. it it was you know i would tease him and it, we had that sort of mm-hmm. you know relationship yeah. it, it wasn't a traditional father son mm-hmm. sort of like uh relationship in some ways but I, i'm not saying i never would have i think there could have come definitely could have come a time when it, when i would but you know that that was 13 years after he died mm-hmm. and i never told him in all that time yeah and i don't even think he had any suspicions which sounds mad people always think oh he must have known in some way and who knows maybe he did but um i think with the background he come from because he'd never encountered gay people mm. it, it, it would have felt like such a strange thing I mean even at his funeral um, I took a female friend um, to, to, to accompany me yeah, to, yeah. You know, to help out and stuff and and people in the in the family all thought she was going to be my girlfriend and were like oh so you're going to pop the question and stuff and it was like and you know I'm not the most subtle of gay men um, so I think it, it it sort of shows you that you know it's it's that rare in terms mm-hmm, of coming mm-hmm. out in a place like that. Probably more less rare now, but that people don't see it, and so therefore they don't even really think. About yeah, it. yeah. I but mean, I don't always think it's wrong not to come out. I you know I think yes, you have to be you have to feel comfortable with you. But if your relationship with people you feel comfortable with, then I don't necessarily think people have to tell you you've got to subscribe to a certain way of being. I mean, mm. I think you definitely have to be out to some people, but it doesn't have to be everyone in your life. If it's gonna if it's gonna mess up a relationship in some way or another, and I'm mm. not saying it was gonna mess up my relationship with him, but it would have made me worry for for his way of dealing with it. I just don't think I would have gained anything from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think which, I mean it, it's interesting because I think for me, I'd say that work, kind of the workplace, uh, well, again, I suppose it's difficult depending on what your, I mean, this is actually quite interesting because your environment is, mm. but I feel like that is, actually that's probably quite a different deal, but I, I, I can kind of understand, I mean, it took me to, you know, into my 20s to, to and I did it all by a letter to my parents, you know, and mm. they like I've said before, they knew years ago, but years before that, when I was three, apparently. 
Um, must have been the ABBA. <laughs> um, was, but I don't feel like the years that I didn't tell them that I was out with my friends in London and living a gay life that my parents missed out. No. It's the only way I can compare it. It's that I don't feel anyone missed out by those years of me no. not talking about it because it was kind of like, okay, well, we all know that anyway. And that's probably the situation in a workplace or... yeah. I think that, I think this, the, it's too easy to sort of like put a smoke screen on things and just say, oh, it's always the right thing to do. And yes, mm. it's great if you can in certain places. I've I've always been out in every workplace I've ever been, in every mm. school, college I've ever been. Everyone who knows me, my dad was the only person who I didn't. Yeah, and it, yeah. was, it was a sort of choice that I made. And I'm sure some people think it's completely wrong. But, you know, I, you know it was right for me. So No, absolutely. It's, um, well, I think that's the thing. I think that's the, one of the most important things to, to remember this whole, through all these interviews and chats is that you do it your own way and you do it your own pace and there's no perfect there's no perfect um formula formula or mm. yeah um recipe to making it right and mm. so yeah no 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 completely um goodness me we delved yeah there. yeah just a bit um so yeah so i mean that's talking about coming out so when was the so i mean we've kind of touched on it slightly but you, when was the first time that you so you were kind of saying that you were bisexual what's the point where because I mean my, my question mm. I've scribbled down here is when were you first aware of being gay so you were kind of aware of being bisexual when did you kind of go well no actually I'm I, I am just kind of going to stick with men now so. uh, well I think I think my last crush was when I was probably I think it was only a slight crush was when I was about, probably about 19 actually the very last crush mm. which is quite late mm-hmm. um but really, probably about seventeen was probably the you know when I, I started to think no, actually I do just like guys, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, the nineteen one was odd. It was sort of like oh that's strange. I didn't think of, you know there was any women mm-hmm. I'd still find attractive, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah nothing since nineteen. <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it was yeah nineteen. And so yeah, so because so because it was a bit so it's a bit more gradual for you really mm. as you said already it's kind of like. <coughs> didn't just you didn't just wake up one morning and go oh my goodness um so what was the first time that i mean obviously you talked about going to youth group what's the first time you actually went out on inverted commas the scene okay when i was 14 i remember going to um a pub called the village in birmingham um which was very different to how it is now now it's this sort of place where it's um well, overgrown teens go at a weekend with pumping music. Teens. Yeah, yeah. You're always there's always some bloke bump bouncing into you as you're trying to walk through the bar. You know, you can't. You, there's no space there. But mm. it was a very sedate pub in the mid nineties. It was all like little tiny little fountain garden, and you know, it was very very sweet. Um, but I remember going in there and taking my school tie off and putting that in my bag and sort of going for drinks. Then um, that was the first place. And then the second place, I went in Partners, which was it's a, like. A- Grange Hill you took the tie off and you went into the gay bar yeah it was um, wow. yeah again I thought I was in Dynasty at the time you know that was my view <laughs> but and, um, the second place was um, Partners which was a, a bit of a grotty hole Partners that's Partners I mean there was there was sawdust on the floor and I don't know whether it was a cowboy night or that was just the way it always was but yeah <laughs> I remember um, um, a, a, a transvestite I don't know if it was a transvestite or a transsexual mm-hmm. asked me to hold her handbag while she went dancing and I remember thinking mm-hmm. god this is this is such a different place because right, right. back then transvestites or transsexuals was you'd never see one yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know it was it was it, it, it wasn't the same world that we live in now no, where completely. thankfully it's you know it's a regular occurrence <laughs> 
But, yeah, um, no, that's that's true. So you've kind of taken me back to my kind of early days of a bar in Earl's Court. I don't know if you ever went to. I never did go to yeah, Earl's Court. It was, it was at the... Cold Hort, was it? No, this was Cold the, the Redcliffe. <laughs> it was at the Redcliffe Hotel, and I can't remember the name of the actual bar, but it was, it was mainly... Um, it was uh, it was kind of trans trans transvestites mm. drag and it was kind of the one place where I'd go and the rest of Earl's Court was all kind of well there was a lot of leather and stuff it's interesting um, you know because like you just said about the, at the hotel like um, we both follow a, a page on Facebook actually don't we that mm. Lost Gay London yeah 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 uh, which is really good it has all old oh, pictures no, and, 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 and videos and stuff like that yeah. but it's amazing the amount of places which were sort of at the such and such hotel it all sounded very sort of sophisticated in the 80s no it's true <laughs> but that was that, that, that was the thing actually Earl's Court there were a lot of hotel based bars and I think mm. Redcliffe Hotel was actually just a gay hotel as well mm. But I don't remember like rainbow flags or anything like that at the time. It was I don't know how I discovered it. I suppose I looked in gay press. Yeah, yeah probably but, gay um, times. That's where I found out all all the ones in Birmingham. Uh, I always uh, the, the whole street in Birmingham was her street, which was which was which was gay. Mm-hmm. I remember hanging around outside the pubs, and of course I hung around outside the straight one, the one straight one on the <laughs> not realizing the wrong one. <laughs> You thought they were all really... You were like, God, these men... Yeah, are, there's a hell of a lot of lesbians in the <laughs> mid-90s, but... <laughs> Who seem to be married to men. Yeah. Um, right, okay, so that was... And then, of course, then there was the Nightingale. I know you've talked about that a lot. Yes. That's still, yeah. you still, which you still visit. Yes, I do. And, um, yeah, I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with the Nightingale. Cause, it's um, the main, just for, again, for, for, for listeners around the world, the Nightingale is the biggest yeah, I think of it's, all the Birmingham I venues. I don't know if it's the only Birmingham club now. I'm not really? sure. Well, I'm so out of date with the Birmingham scene. But, um, but yeah, I've, I've been a couple of times recently, and it's really good now, right. which, you know, um, I, you know, I sort of didn't have the best nights in the in the Nightingale over the years but um, I, when it was in the old venue I had some brilliant nights and then it moved to oh, a new changed. venue and it's been in the new venue for like 20 odd years really but um, or 21 um, but yeah the last, last couple of times I've been pleasantly surprised because everyone sort of says with the younger generation that they're being techno you know mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. technology is affecting them their social yeah, side yeah. yeah and that you know they're always on their phones and mm. internet and they don't know how to communicate well people are a hell of a lot more social now than they used to be in, in when I used to go there it's like they might maybe I've just been a bit more drunk but <laughs> but, but that's got the noise just knocking phones out of people's hands and that's yeah. why there's no talk phones. to me talk to me <laughs> But um, that's a couple of times I went there. You, you know, it had been really nice, sort of like having conversations with strangers, which I'm a bit reserved like that. I don't mm. normally do. So it's, um, yeah, I think. Maybe you're just mellowing with old age. Maybe I am, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's interesting. So then, for, yeah, so London for you, what was your first gay experience in London? Um, I was talking about Earl's Court, but yeah. Quite late, actually. Well, I say quite late. No, it wasn't late, really. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I did go to, like, there was a pride in about 96 or 97 so mm-hmm. we'd be at 16 or 17 where we'd come to like the village and you know, right. a couple of places in the yard and stuff like that where so, was the pride? Um, oh I don't know because I remember a lot of the names around there ones which I went to and ones which I didn't right. like I remember Brockwell Park Brockwell being mentioned Park. and Hackney Marshes being mentioned it might oh, have been yeah. Hackney Marshes okay. Okay. but it was it would have been 96 or 97 which I think it was in Hackney, Hackney yeah. yeah for a couple of years I think it might yeah. be and um, we all we got a coach down with the youth group um, and right. yeah no, it was a really good pride and stuff like that but I remember going for pizza in pizza and there was about 20 of us and then yeah going village and 
the yeah, village. Yeah, but I had, I had a few sort of... The village is a bar in Soho, by the way. For, yeah. Um, and it still exists. Yeah, still, one of the few that does, yeah. Still going. <laughs> still going strong as far as well. Last time I walked past on a Saturday night, there were mm. boys go-going. Mm. And then... Um, but there were a lot of sort of like little sporadic, like, random visits. Like, we went to JY the one night when I was at university and... Mm-hmm. Um, I think Tina Arena was on. That's what <laughs> yeah. I remember. And I think, well, I think she was on, and she cancelled, and Banana Rama had to turn up if I remember rightly, or vice versa. But, but really? Well, yeah, it's probably Banana Rama. We just banana yeah. in it. It's just <laughs> bun. You know, by the way, dear listeners, they reformed mm-hmm. the original lineup. First time ever they're going to perform as a three ever live. And did you hear about the Robert De Niro is waiting? Was waiting. That, what that was about. That it was about date rape, I think. Uh, what? The other night. Yeah, I was. I was reading an article only the other night about sort of. I think it was date rape. They said it was. It was. Um, Banana Rama said. Yeah, this. yeah. They re- revealed, and so you'll listen to it with new ears. It says. Wow. I can't actually remember the lyrics to Robert De Niro's writing apart from Italian. Yeah. I don't know what that means, really, but <laughs> have a re-listen. So we right, we have to, we'll, well, as soon as we finish this, we're going to get right on the Banana Rama. Um, very excited about that. We digress. Uh, Banana Rama. So, uh, so Tina Arena, GAY. Yeah, that was sort of my second spritz, and then I got lost once, thinking, "Oh, I've been to London twice. I know where everything is." And I remember the Silver Moon Bookshop. Was it or Paper Moon or something like that? It was, oh, was it a lesbian bookshop on Charing Cross Road? I think it was. I think it was Silver Moon. Silver Moon. I think it might be. I remember like being there and like trying to find my way to the village thinking I know where it was and mm. then messing up a whole night with friends because they spent two hours trying to find me and I couldn't find them because <laughs> I knew where oh I'm just going to carry on to the village I'll see you there no right. no, yeah wow mm. um, and then you end up living here and yeah. spending far too much time and money yeah and you worked around the corner for many years didn't you so uh, mm. yes it no. was just an easy thing for you to do um so, yeah, that kind of brings me to the things that you... TV, film, and music, popular culture. What things were you first aware of? What characters in TV, what mm. uh, pop stars, what things were you kind of... That you kind of went, ah, negative and positive? Yeah. Um, well, I was brought up on soaps. I love soaps. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't much of a reader. And people always go on about kids. Oh, it's so important that they read and stuff like that. And yes, mm-hmm. it's great. Oh, yeah. But I, I've never enjoyed reading. I do, you know, it's just not a pleasure of mine. Mm-hmm. I, I like watching things mm-hmm. to a degree and um, and doing things. And I think soaps can actually be a great way of kids learning, weirdly enough. It's particularly oh, yeah. with vocabulary and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I... Medical terms sometimes. <laughs> sometimes occasionally. <laughs> but um, Brookside... Gordon, I remember. Yes, oh, um, yes. So, uh, you remember I was, I was I was about seven when he was in it, because I think he was in it first and they did the gay story and he was quickly written out, very quickly. It was like, oh, he's gay, let's get rid of him and then we've done the subject. And then he come back with a different actor who apparently was very uneasy with playing a gay character. Uh, I read, it could yes, be rubbish, yes, but... I remember that they changed. So, Brookside uh, is for people uh, who don't know. Brookside was set in uh, just outside of Liverpool. Mm. Um, on a kind of modern middle class estate but not all the residents were middle class it was kind of a mix of there were some posh people and then there were some very working class people mm. and there were some people in the middle mm. of the middle um, it's supposed to be like a, a representation of Thatcher's 80s of Thatcher's 80s yeah that's very where much. it sort of stemmed from um, and it did have some quite um, extreme storylines mm. yeah. but yeah this one was uh, uh, they were the middle class family weren't they this, the yeah, the uh, Collinses. Collinses, mm. um, yeah. And they struggled with their son and he struggled with telling them and 
but this was no nineteen eighty. I would be talking about nineteen eighty seven when I was watching yeah, it. I think they dealt with it a bit earlier on, but yeah. it was a bit of a weird story because I seen it on catch up when the, when they started showing it on Living TV. <laughs> right, right, right. Because I'm, I'm that sad. <laughs> no, no, no. I'd love to watch Brooks. <laughs> oh. And I remember thinking, oh, the gay story's coming up now, and it was like, oh, he's in his room a lot. He's in his room a lot. Oh, he's gay. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> um, and he then, was with Tracy Barlow. Yeah, tapes. yeah upstairs, upstairs in his bedroom. But um, but yeah. yeah, I remember watching that when they come back. I remember them getting beat up coming out from a gay club. Mm, um, that sounds that, that rang about. And I remember um, Michael Cashman in EastEnders. Yeah. Um, Is he sir now? Yes, sir. I Michael think he might Cashman, be, yeah. 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 Um, um, Google him. He was. Uh, he's also one of the founding members of Stonewall. Mm. And an MEP. Yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that they were my sort of first influences of seeing what a gay man was. I didn't relate to them, or it, did, it wasn't like a, a, you know, like that light bulb moment going yeah, off, yeah, which yeah. a lot of people have. It was a case of, oh, I'm enjoying this story. Oh, isn't this awful? Isn't this terrible? Like this is happening. You know, they're getting beat up outside a club and stuff like that. It's but, kind of watching from afar rather than yeah, d- directly relating. Yeah, I yeah. think that there wasn't any anything like that. Um, when I did have that sort of light bulb moment, I suppose was more around the time when um, when this life was about because um, I was sort I was already coming out then really um, where, where sort of Warren this life is life. a BBC show which stars Andrew Lincoln of The Walking Dead uh, who now is a megastar around the world but at this point this is probably his first big show mm. yeah. um, and if you haven't seen it. You really should because yes, the brilliant. writing's really good and um, and uh, the characters are really yeah. interesting. And, and it was so lifelike at the time. I remember you watching, you were like, "Am I watching like a documentary?" Because the way it was filmed and everything, and that sort of filming probably probably seems dated now. It doesn't to me, but I think for a lot of people, they go, "Oh, we've seen all that." But um, everybody smoked dope and listened to Portishead in that house. That's all I remember. <laughs> they were always listening to Portishead and smoking dope, um, and kind of yeah. Yeah, 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 mm. no, that was, yeah, okay, so. Mm. So that was a big one, but uh, yeah, before that, I think where it did start to um, sink in a bit was a, a series called Out on Channel 4, which, oh, yeah. which I don't remember an awful lot about, but it involved men diving into swimming pools at the beginning. In the titles. Yeah, yeah. And I remember watching that on a black and white television in the mm. kitchen <laughs> with the sound down, just trying to just <laughs> listen just enough so no one else would hear. Um, right. But I think that was probably when I was about 13, 14, when probably I was having my first sort of feelings of like, oh, this is interesting, but maybe I shouldn't be watching this. Right, and right, right. Yeah, I think that was that was the first. Ah, okay. Mm. And how about, like, uh, were there any um, pop stars, musicians, that you kind of clicked onto either because you thought they were hot or because they were, <laughs> or because they were, you know, outspoken in their, um, in their gayness? Not really, to be honest. I, you say I've never really, I'm not that been influenced by music an awful lot. I don't have anything on iTunes or anything like that. I listen to ch- to songs when I do, so I don't have huge musical influence. I mean, I remember I had crushes on guys and in, in things. I think I quite fancied Stephen Gately and Cavana and people like that when I was sort of like mid nineties and Morton stuff. Harkett. Um, yeah, no, I didn't actually fancy him. Did you yeah, not? yeah, no, which is mad because you know he's a gorgeous guy and everything. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, also cause, you're because Tony's a fan of Aha. I love Aha, I think but fantastic. not, but not, not in that not way. in that well, way. I just I, like the I music. I always fancy him. I always, pres- yeah, I was going to try and set you up with him, but anyway. Well, yeah, you're welcome to now. Well, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so that wasn't like a major thing. Um, so just and because 
we have got time. I want to just touch on it. Is I was I've talked to a couple of other guests um, about the kind of the representation of um, gay men in comedy in kind of seventies hmm. and eighties sitcoms yeah. and your feelings on that. Well, it's interesting. I did an essay on it actually oh. um, when I was oh, at, at right, uni. Okay. <laughs> I did. Um, I took a day in, in, in two thousand and I was looking at representations on screen, not just mm. comedy, but. Um, it was it was interesting because I was doing looking at terrestrial channels versus satellite, mm. and how a lot of things like on satellite, if it was anything to do with race, would be they'd have a warning before it that these views are not now deemed you know appropriate. Uh, but with right. sexuality, it was a different thing. It, mm-hmm. You know, you'd never get them them views, and in some ways, rightly so, because some of the you know when I'm, there weren't obvious offensive examples, mm-hmm. but you know some people would class them. And I did. Are you being served? Which um, which I love, Are You Being Served? And I always love John Inman's character in it. And I can see how people have a problem with it in mm. the sense that when your only representation is an extreme sissy, as you would call, probably, or as or the or celluloid or closet yeah, would yeah. probably define them, mm-hmm. that would be... Um, people sort of feel like, oh, it's you know it's stereotyping and everything like that. But at the same point, he not, was naturally funny. And, you know, I still find that character funny and I still find sissies funny and... Um, you know, I I, th- I think it, it's more about having other characters around to balance that because mm-hmm. we all know sissies, and the reason why stereotypes exist is there is a, a kernel of truth which exactly. which is recognisable. Certain exactly. characters we can all go to and go, we know the matriarch, we know mm-hmm. the the, mm-hmm. the effeminate guy, we know we know them sort mm-hmm. of people, and they all have their different strengths. Um, and but interestingly, on the on this essay, I, it was an episode of Are You Being Served mm. where. I think it was offensive, Um, um, which it generally wasn't. And it was an episode where they involved Mr... um, I forgot his name, Mr Humphreys and Lucas and Captain Peacock all getting changed behind a screen. And there was a bit in it, I can't remember exactly where, it was more or less inferred that Mr Humphreys wasn't a man, that it was almost like, you know, you shouldn't be in there, you should be there with the women and, and various things. Right, right. And you could almost... Here, the, the the audience were uncomfortable with it. That the, the laughing wasn't free and easy. It was, uh, uh, you know, right, right. That even then, which I think it was nineteen seventy nine, that episode was first aired. Uh-huh. Some people were finding it a little bit. Mm, this isn't right. right and right. there was there was another reference again, which was a little bit more offensive later on, which pretty much nobody laughed at. Yeah, and. I was glad I picked that day because I think if I'd looked at every other episode of Are You Being Served I might have found one or two references but it was a particularly bad episode mm. um, which was useful for my essay <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but um, absolutely. probably not representative of the show but then there was another one which was A and Hotman which was a few years earlier yeah 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 and um, the, the character in like the Melvin Hayes character yeah. was it was such a sweet representation of a mm. more sissy ca- mm. character where he was loved for being who he was mm-hmm. and they would call him Night Darling and stuff like that mm. and it wasn't in a t- taking the mick way. It was it was genuinely sweet and lovely and I don't think there was anything offensive about that, that character no. in that episode. As I said, the Johnny Mum one in that episode was, yeah. was, was, a, was, a, was a bad one yeah. and yeah, I think that was showing it at its worst. But um, I think my problem is when writers sort of say, oh, the character wasn't gay. And I think to yourself, well, he well, was I mean, in your mind. Come on. You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah. That's you don't. kind of not mm. the truth of it. But the thing is, as I said before, and I feel like with with the Melvin Hayes character, character's name I can't remember anyway. Gloria. There you go. Gonna Gloria. Mm. Um, and Mr. Humphreys, are you being served? The, as, uh, 
I just feel that they were they were quite and I'm not sure what the actor's sexualities were actually obviously it's the point what were they well I think John John um, um, Inman was, was well, it's funny there's a lot well, John of, Inman, yeah there's yeah. a lot of people from that age where they never come out or they never officially sort of yeah. said they're gay and I think John Inman might have been one of them I think Larry Grayson was on the way that, and there was you know I think John Inman did in the in the end, in the end yeah. but Larry Grayson didn't but but there was anyway the characters there was something quite empowering about them that they just did what they mm. they just were the way they were yeah. and they weren't apology that's the thing I used to kind of find before I was even thinking about it in a sexuality in sexuality terms as a kid was that they were they didn't apologise for themselves mm. and they kind of and I found that was the why they were funny mm. um, but there was some kind of honesty about them that I think I then related to and certainly as an actor and I've been cast as well you know we play we're in, a, in the temperamentals and I was probably mm. the sissy of the of the group and I quite enjoy that there's a bit of this freedom within that yeah definitely um, to play that and you know and I think if somebody wants to play that in real life then good for them and I I am down on and we were discussing it I think with a couple of the other guests that when people kind of go into the um, the apps world and people are like I don't uh, no fems no well, no fats and all the other stuff but mm. actually you know if you want to be this again we, we, we talked about this before we started the podcast you just do what you want to do mm. Um, kind of we now we really are digressing but it's just it's kind of that, that I just I know I've talked about that with everyone else and I want hmm. to do with you um, so um, I do want to talk about oh, I'll make sure we get everything in um, so let's talk about let's go to work yeah let's go to work let's go to your work and so uh, you were acting yeah um, and then you say the last play with me was Temperamentals and how so just kind of give us a brief outline how you got from being in a play to now writing for two major BBC television shows uh, well I was writing for a, a, I sort of started writing um, when my dad was dying I used to write sketches of comedy and I, I really fell in love with write, writing comedy really mm. and then from there I carried on writing alongside trying to get acting work and also did my day job and yeah it took a little while and um like any sort of creative job you get a lot of doors slammed in your face and yeah look just one day luckily um a lovely lady at the bbc happened to read a script of mine and gave me the opportunity to to write a, a script for holby mm. um which was brilliant and um yeah and that, and and it's just moved on from there really i've just had it i've done four episodes of holby and two of casualty now so. And an agent came along on the ride as well at the same time. Yeah, I got an agent before that, yeah. a, a little while before, and he's fantastic, um, you know, really good friend, and mm. very much gets my voice, and um, yeah, really sort of like pushed me to all the to all the shows I like, and yeah. And you've got to do. You've had to do quite a lot of learning because you weren't necessarily. Yeah, I didn't train as a, yeah. as a screenwriter. I trained. I had a, did a drama degree um, at Loughborough, and then I trained as an actor. Um, and I think with acting, it made me realise what where, where I don't like with scripts sometimes, and you know what my specific tastes are. So I started writing because you know I'd, I'd go to an audition maybe, and I'd be like, mm, I'm not really bothered if I get this or not. This mm-hmm. isn't really me. Mm-hmm. And also, I think there, it's a bit difficult for, for for actors because when you're wanting to be an actor, you see brilliant roles on screen you go I'd love to play that I'd love to play this mm. but the opportunities really are you're going to be played third man in the queue who has a couple of lines yeah, or yeah, you know yeah. cashier number yeah. six or whatever and you can't really, you know you can't get excited over them roles and even the 
big roles. Uh, I don't know about you from your acting mm-hmm. perspective, but you know there there is only so many where I'd go, oh, I'd kill to play that role. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, I'm like, you know, it can be a major role in something, but I'm like, mm, that character isn't, you know, that fantastic right. or that interesting. It's, um, so it's yeah, no, no, no. I, I kind of get that. Um, uh, I think for me, it's not always well as an actor. Anyway, it's not necessarily always the the lead characters that interest yeah, me. Yeah, generally smaller anyway. char- characters for me yeah, as well. I more, prefer that. You can yeah. do a lot more with a smaller character. You can come in and steal a scene and bugger yeah. off. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, but as far as... So, uh, writing for Holby and then Casualty came second? Yeah. Um, that you've also had to learn a lot about the medical terminology and all that stuff. Um, there's a lot that had to well luckily they have very very good researchers and um, they they support you through all that because I'm so unscientifically minded science was my worst um, subject at school (laughs) I only passed parts of my science test because it was multiple choice <laughs> if it hadn't been multiple right. choice that would be, and I think I got a D for that so you know <laughs> it shows you how bad it would have been um, but yeah luckily a lot of that side is more is more dealt with with researchers who help you out and you know give you great support mm-hmm. um, whereas the the script side um, you know that's got to come more from your own imagination sure. so. um, do you actually do, have you are you enjoying learning the kind of but with the help of the researchers you mm. can, now you could probably diagnose people with stuff <laughs> I wish <laughs> no. leave us all behind and become a GP no I'm still useless I still haven't <laughs> got a clue I'm still like oh, okay that happens there does it okay that's fine yeah I don't know why but yeah <laughs> um, but yeah I mean it's given it's given you lots of well, hopefully further I, opportunities I, I did get well I, I did um, actually win um, I think we won a, about a couple of hundred quid a few months back because there was a, a, a pub quiz question we got where it was like you, we did this thing where it's like a raffle and if your ticket's bought out you answer a question you get the prize but mm-hmm. if you don't and uh, me and a couple of friends won because there was a medical question which I'd happened to have on a, co- a Colby a few months before and I was like get in I was going to say is it about an episode of Holby because I'm like well, <laughs> yeah. I kind of know that um, and you've written for somebody well written one of the actors that were in the temperamentals with us who has uh, has vouched to come and be interviewed at some point yeah, um, uh, David Ames. Yeah, and you've written kind of episodes featuring him, which is yeah. My first first one was quite a big one for him, where he was his um, basically uh, his boyfriend was dumping him, and it was all sort of him because of his lies unraveling. So um, yeah, that was that was my very first one. So that was been the that was that was my most David centric centric mm. episode. Mm. But it's, yeah, it was good fun, but it was easy because I know David's voice and I know the you know the character's voice. So yeah, it, it was a, it was a gift getting. Um, it's really interesting that two you know, you've both taken slightly different paths and you both ended up in the same in the same working <laughs> on the same show, yeah. um, and that played opposite each other twice in yeah. very different plays mm. as well. Um, but um, well, your hopes. What, what would be okay? Here's 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 a. What's your dream? What's your dream show for you to write on anywhere in the world? I mean, you, I mean, you can go US, UK, uh, it, anywhere. Oh, it's difficult, really. I mean, there's shows I love, but you have to be careful as a writer that you don't always start going, "Oh, that's so good," that because it can get you depressed if you don't. Yeah. If you feel like you're not that good, but it's it's a different style with a lot of things. So. Um, a lot of the shows which I love, I wouldn't necessarily want to write for. But yeah, um, but it's interesting as well because you can see episodes of things and, and you can go, oh, 
I don't necessarily think that would suit my voice, but then it might in a different way. Like Holby episodes, although they have a complete thread through them, mm-hmm. um, they're always very good at letting the writers voice come through mm-hmm. and I can tell from watching an episode mm-hmm. d- different writers who who that will be and they have a different feel to them even though right. the series is very good at maintaining a continuity mm-hmm. which is fantastic it's very skilled to do that um, so you know sometimes you, you might actually be able to write on something which you wouldn't think would necessarily be you but um, I suppose what would have always suited me which they don't make anymore obviously is Shameless that probably had very much yeah. my voice it was. It got sort of like social drama, sort of like warm characters. Mm. Um, it could be very coarse and rude, which I like, and funny, which I like. Yeah. And I think that would have that would have suited me very well. That's actually interesting, and also because I have lots of listeners in the US, and uh, of course there is the American yeah. version, yeah. which I've never seen, but no, I never imagine it must be of the same nature. Mm. The whole point of the show. So if you are in the US and you haven't seen the UK version, have a nose. I'm sure it's mm. probably on. Maybe on YouTube. Anyway, yeah. you can find it somewhere. No, okay, that's interesting. Well, maybe that will. Maybe it will return one day, and you'll be leading the pack. We can dream. <laughs> never know. Never know. Um, so, uh, so now this is something that actually came up before. So Tony's been uh, catching up on a few podcasts, and there was one question I was talking to Menno, I believe, um, one of the guests anyway, and it was kind of at the end of that or beginning of that. The question about whether uh, whether anyone has faith hmm. and I said that I haven't actually ever talked to an LGBTQ pe- well I, I have talked to but I don't have any in my friendship group who who has who has a faith um, and then interestingly you said to me just to let you know I do and it's kind of like it's just interesting that we've known each other for so many years and we've never actually had that mm. conversation we must have talked around it because mm. we talk about anything and everything but somehow I didn't know that or if you told me I was yeah, I think they're probably Half the only cut. time I probably mentioned it was when my dad died. Yeah, maybe, possibly. But um, yeah, I, I think there's a good reason for that as well. Is I think uh, well, religion and faith um, in many ways should be quite a, well, not personal. a personal thing exactly, but it's quite a private thing. <laughs> well, in some ways, I think it's quite good if it's a private thing. I mean, if you're around people who share your faith, and that you know that can be good and stuff. But I just think there's there's a problem sometimes with people being too vocal about their views when it comes to religion or lack of religion and I find this on both sides Mm -hmm. Um, it gets me really annoyed when um, people push their beliefs down other people's throats sure and that can be whether it you know they have very strongly religious views and that affects the way they they view their life and they follow letters to the doctrine etc but equally, I find actually what I encounter more of, um, and particularly amongst, you know, sort of my social group or friendship group, is atheists who think you're you're insane for having a belief or try and belittle it or right. try and or, or sort of go, you know try and make you feel bad about it in some way or you know and that happens frequently and you know whether my my faith or belief mm. belief in a higher being is a comfort blanket if that's what people believe and they think you know oh well you know you just need to know the truth i'm like well, why do why do you really need to if you've got something which actually makes you feel good and gives you comfort and makes you feel that one day you'll see the people who you love who've passed on again why t- want to take that comfort blanket away from someone it, that bewilders me i just think it's it's a really um 
insensitive. I mean, fine mm-hmm. if you're if you're mm-hmm. giving that argument to somebody who's ramming their beliefs down your throat and mm-hmm. they're telling you, oh, you can't do this, and you know, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, Live you're wrong for being gay and, and yeah. all yeah. that sort of stuff. Then fine, you know, let rip at people like that if they're they're doing it to you. Mm-hmm. Then you know, people deserve it back. But when you just have a quiet faith about about yourself, and oh. it's and my faith isn't following a specific religion, it's not like I, was I say you're not. Yeah, you're not. No, I don't follow any any spe- specific religious doctrine or anything like that. You don't go to a to like a to a church or no. to a place. My, to... my religion is basically sin involved is involved when you do something which you actively know is hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. If you if you do something which hurts somebody and you don't know it, that's not a sin. You know, you're not aware of it. You know, um, if you, um, but other than that, it's it's a case of you, you just try and you live your life doing as much good as you can. And it's a very simple one. You don't have to follow any rules for it. Um, other people would say it's a sort of spirituality. And I do have a belief in a, in a higher being. I do have, a, a, and that provides me with a great source of comfort. And believe, I think I would be very depressed if I didn't have that. To mm, be honest, mm-hmm. so whether whether people out there who are atheists think that that's you know, oh well, you're just living in you know, you just want to comfort yourself. Fine, let me just comfort myself. It's not doing you any harm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it was the um, major that I was talking to last week. His, I mean, he's he's um, atheist, but he's not about telling people that that's yeah. the only way. But that's oh, just like yeah. that's his, that's and that's his brilliant. I have loads way of friends. And that works for him, and I think that's the thing. Mm. Exactly what you're yeah, saying. And is... Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it in terms of you know. I have lots of my friends are atheists, probably more more atheists than believers. Mm. And I, you know, I don't have any problem with anyone you know who's who's an atheist or you know agnostic or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's that small percentage of people I come across sometimes sometimes friends where where I'm like. I don't understand. I don't understand the persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, just as you say, it works both ways, doesn't it? And it's yeah. like people who, it, yeah, it's, it's just that inside yeah. never gets any any sort of like publicity in a weird way. It's always the and rightly so in some ways. People who are sort of, sort of saying you're you're bad for being gay or you know whatever you're, you're bad for for doing this or doing that because it's in religious doctrine, yeah. which you know does need to be tackled definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's both sides. Yeah. No, 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 that's interesting, I'm, and thank you for sort of talking about it, because, as I say, it's, uh, I mean, for me, again, it's, I, I was talking about this last week, and, and definitely on, on his podcast, but spirit, he's kind of, he was saying, well, you know, where where do you fit yourself, and I said, I suppose I'm quite spiritual, and it's not religion, it's not, I don't, I don't even necessarily believe in, in, in uh, an afterlife or any of that, mm. it's just, it's just uh, I kind of believe in. I suppose oh God, it sounds like I'm, you know, some kind of white witch. <laughs> but you are. I've lived with you. <laughs> exactly. You've seen me doing the spells. But no, it's just um, that I, I kind of nature and, and and respecting the planet and respecting people and mm. respecting trees and yeah. actually kind of being aware of stuff going on around me. And that again, and I don't want to bore listeners, but I always go back to mindfulness. And for me, that's kind of my thing. Mm. And finding my contentment in that place and it's like you say and if it makes if it helps you know life is tough world's tough and I, yeah I think people should be less judgmental mm. agree um, so yes um, heroes role models public figures or otherwise do you have you had any um, I mean I've got personal role models which you know I probably won't talk about like in family members yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that which I think have gone through amazing things and I think actually really they're probably my biggest role models because I think 
for talent and you know success and stuff like that, that that's great. But the, the things really to admire are people who are you know being so selfless every day and giving up parts yeah. of their life oh, yeah, yeah. and going through absolute you know landslides of shit. They're the people I admire the most. But if we're talking talent and landslides success, of shit, landslides of shit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's, <laughs> I, that's I just, admire anyone who's doing that's that. Gonna be, that's going to be my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, some people do actually. Just a lot of my friends at the moment are going through very difficult times and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and and family members as well. Where you just think to yourself, how much can people take? It's you know the human spirit can is amazing in some mm-hmm. ways. But I'm going to go talk on the um, the more frivolous side. Yeah, no, we are of... going frivolous. We have to go a bit frivolous. We're going to go frivolous. So, um, yeah, my heroes. Um, I loved Victoria Woods writing. I thought, you know, that so is a writer. She's come up through at least three times yeah. already. I, you know, it just... Um, she was such a big influence. Gay men. Yeah. It's all been gay men who brought her up. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Jonathan Harvey's writing I love as well. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. I think Beautiful Thing was... You know, a real, a real, a real sort of like. Well, I suppose I was fifteen at the time, and when mm. that film came out, I remember going around and selling tickets, like you know, for the like, mm-hmm. for a friend of mine who got loads of tickets for. He was doing some deal with the theatre and stuff, and so I was saying, "Can you get people in to to watch this?" and and that was just amazing. I love that film because there was so little representation. It was so funny and warm, and you know, just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from a writing angle, and listening to the mamas and the papas all the time. Yes, yeah, they introduced me to the mamas and the papas. Bought the album afterwards, and yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So from a writing point of view, um, those two. Um, I also love Jed Mercurio who does Line of Duty um, from a completely different angle mm, mm-hmm. in something which I could never replicate. But I just think he's just amazingly mm. talented and just you know, uh, I mean, or at the way he he can write a police series having not had a police background which is right. so detailed and so clever um, researchers you see That's yeah I, mean. I forgot yeah <laughs> it's, it's amazing but um, yeah from from music point of view um, Dusty Springfield I love oh my goodness he's, he's always I've good. been playing her in panto for the last two years <laughs> <laughs> yeah D- Dusty um, yeah I like camp music my, my musical taste has never been you know sort of like cool or hip or anything yeah, like that I love be. Steps' new song fantastic so do, I. so do I hands up so good um and um, yeah, probably probably that from music, and I'm trying to think what other influences. Acting wise, Sue Johnson is fantastic. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. so diverse and transformational. And I think a lot of actually the real heroes acting are often people who are, are at that level, which you see regularly in TV things, and can just transform themselves. And I hasten to say, without the use of an accent, it's weird. People often think people who can just do accents, you know, they're the best best people. And accent no. is a real skill. Don't get me wrong. But if you can change your character and change your inner core and your being that you're watching someone with the same voice, sometimes with the same sort of hair and everything, and you're just transported to a different human being, that is really... That's what you do when you meet me every time. I exactly, yeah. you transport you to another world, don't I? <laughs> different human being. But, but yeah. she, she, for me, is one of the greatest actresses um, that's yeah, ever yeah, no, been. Completely. She's just... Uh, Sue Johnson, also to to people who aren't... Uh, the Royal Family, which I know also was a US... There was a US version of that. She was in the UK version of that. 
Um, and she was also in Brookside, the soap we talked about. And she's done well. She's done a million things, but those are the kind of things that uh, stick out in my mind, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But then she's done lots of theatre. So, yeah, so much, and just little parts in things where she just pops up, and you go, "God, you've just created somebody completely new there." And always at the front of um, Pride marches. Really? I didn't know. Yes, that. I've yeah. seen her a few times. Doesn't surprise me. Doesn't yeah, yeah. Surprise you, but yeah. Um, Okay, so, <laughs> and this is kind of a bit of an official question. So what are your hopes for the future of LGBTQ people? <laughs> um, what would you like to? I mean, what would you? What would you hope? Obviously, you want. I we don't need to go because I've said it a hundred times about what's going on out mm. in other parts of the world. But just generally, okay. Um, I would say, I think we have to realise where struggles are really existing uh, because I think in this country if you're mm. in a city mm-hmm. generally we're, we're not having too many troubles at the moment mm-hmm. on the whole mm-hmm. you know we're, we're pretty good on that road mm-hmm. um, not saying that you know hate crime still exists and, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 things yeah, like that does, still yeah. always have to be um, have to have to be monitored and have to work against but there are so many real struggles in other countries yeah. which you know we forget like we were saying with Chechnya and which is starting to come about where I think there, there is so much fighting to be done mm. for that um, on other levels other interesting sort of like different views with, with LGBT is, is I think the reliance of like things like Grindr are very, very damaging. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you know apps like that at all, no. but I think there is an, a level of the sort of social side changing in opposite of what I was saying earlier about sort of like you know people saying you know teenagers and twenty year olds are suffering from sort of like interacting, but I think there is a a sort of slightly poisonous aspect that's coming in in terms of hookup apps and things like that where mm. relationships and making bonds and actually forming more friendships and stuff mm. are suffering mm-hmm. particularly with the sense of the the amount of pubs and clubs which have been closing in the last you know five ten years exactly and i think that is a real problem i think you know if we don't have a more livelier scene and not just a scene made basically made based on pubs and clubs not but just you the know, fun yeah. yeah then i think that is a real sadness because I think then people start to get into more more towards their late thirties and forties and stuff like that, and that drops off and it's sort of like oh well what's happened you know mm-hmm. where's my group gone because mm-hmm. people have become so reliant on them yeah I think that's a danger no, um, no that's true um I think as well one thing that I've realised more in the last few years is just the um the preoccupation of the self sometimes with. Mm with sort of the gay community mm-hmm. in the sense of subscribing to all the things <laughs> we are doing uh, we are. a podcast yes this is, this is talking a... about us but yeah, you know, yeah I know what you mean but the, the fact is and I, I do it myself but we sort of like become brainwashed into a fashion where it's like all about getting the perfect body and eating exactly all the perfect things and going to the right places and dre- and buying the right fashion labels and doing all these things to make yourself the perfect gay mm-hmm. and I think that is also quite poisonous and that's happening a lot because you know there's a market out there there's there's companies which well, start up all the time yeah yeah it sells and you know we're getting sort of flooded with that sort of image i mean i remember when i was about 17 or 18 you look at the back of gay times mm-hmm. and you would see all sorts of models you mm-hmm. would not mm-hmm. see just body beautifuls yeah, yeah you would yeah. see guys where you're going oh you're advertising a chat line with that guy that's interesting <laughs> which sounds, sounds bad but you know what i mean it was just like an average guy an average guy yeah yeah, yeah. um 
And now you don't see that. And it's almost like if you are not perfect, if you're not the body beautiful, if you're not all them things, then, you know, this is, I think, leading to depression and mental health issues. And that's Mm -hmm. happening more and more. And the more we just focus on ourselves and making sure you go to the gym three times a week and you eat the right things and you go to the right holidays and stuff like that, I think it's... It's not just damaging to us as individuals in the sense mm. that you're not seeing, you know, all the things that are important in life. But it's also some people which which don't subscribe to them things like guys well, who are disabled, who, yeah, you yeah. know, who will get overlooked, and it's sort of like, well, you know, you you can't fit in with this perfect lifestyle with me. Um, if you're a carer for somebody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is the you know yeah, where, where you you don't fit in and you know you can't you you're actually have got somebody else to equate within in your you life, so you can't go to parties, you can't go on holiday mm-hmm. whenever you want, all them sort of things. And I think that is something where I would like to see the gay community, you know, um, improve. Mm. I think you know I think it's actually that that side of it has gone a bit more backwards in the last 10-15 years which is probably one of the only areas where it has no I think you're right and I think also and I've not not really discussed this before is the fact that there's a lot of body dysmorphia that comes out of of that and uh, you know and and that's I mean you know it's it's, I'm sure it's been around for men for many years but I think it's becoming more and more prevalent because you say because everyone has to have the chiselled body Mm. to go to put the on their profile on grinder or whatever it is you're using um, and even to put yourself out there in the world and go to a club mm. especially the kind of the big the big super clubs which are all about guys with the shirts off and I mean you know, that's all well and good and you can I'm not saying people shouldn't look after themselves and I think that's great that people are being healthy but if it goes too far yeah that's the issue. I've got to give a shout out to something now actually, yeah cool. just thinking about it it's a group actually um, well, it's not a group but there's an event at a uh, pub I go to once a month which is on a it's like a second Sunday normally of a month, but mm-hmm. it changes slightly at the Vauxhall Griffin. And it's a great event because it's not cruisy, it's not like about body beautifuls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a load of gay men in a room playing board games. <laughs> Which sounds bizarre, oh. but it's um I've been going for about six months now. But what? See, there's this secret life yeah. you've been living, this yeah. board game I know, life. I know, I oh, know. Yeah, it, it sounds very sad, I know. But <laughs> it's, uh, no, no, but it's, I've, I've, do you know what? I've... I, I've been to quite a few places of Vauxhall, and I've walked past that place many times. I've never been in. Yeah, I need to go in there. Maybe not on a Sunday to play games. But it's it's a great yeah, it's a great um great little pub actually, mm. and they do like pub quizzes and stuff like that. Yeah, and different, yeah, yeah. different nights, but it's really nice to actually go to something which reminds me more of like my youth group days, where people are actually just communicating, having fun together, mm-hmm. interacting mm-hmm. because you've got an activity around. You mm-hmm. know, where you, it's not just sort of like. Um, you know, you're just there to drink, and no, no one's talking to each other. Their own, mm. their own little friendship groups. Uh, it, it's just a brilliant social activity. And I've had yeah. a few friends come come down. Some travelling, you know, from Birmingham just to come down for the day and go back. Um, okay. And um, a few guys do that. But oh no, I have really been good. to the Griffin. It's the Eagle. I've not the Griffin. Mm. I did go to. Mm. It's the Eagle. Have you been there? No, I haven't been the Eagle. No, I don't think. I have to go there as well. Okay, we need to do some. <laughs> we need to go back into the world and do a bit more. Uh, bit more exploring because like there we go pub that i've been to pub that you've been to and one we've mm. both not been to anyway <laughs> this is the thing it's not all dead yet london still there is still a scene thriving even with board games exactly the thing is me and the quiz as you know it's like yeah you know, i'll always be there <laughs> yeah, tony's a big big quiz uh, buff fan 
Buff uh, fan? <laughs> He's a quiz buff and a fan. If you watch Challenge TV at one o'clock in the morning, I'll normally pop up <laughs> yeah. from 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that's that, 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 that's been very helpful to your life, hasn't it, actually? You've assisted you through... Yes, that paid for my drama education. Paid for drama mm. education. Um, so... Because <laughs> I do want to wrap up soon, because uh, I've been going for hours and hours with some of these, but um, and because we've been quite succinct... And we're to the point, and you're just a brilliant uh, interviewee. <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, you're great. Um, what um, What are your kind of things, recommendations for my listeners? Okay. That you're currently enjoying in life. Okay. Apart from board games. So I've got to say, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like yeah, everyone yeah. on here is going to say, I love it. I just think it's so so much fun Name and two two favorite. Two, two of your favourites of all of the all, all, all time. series all series well it's got to be Bianca Del Rio uh huh and Alyssa Edwards just because there's just so much comedy from from, from her <laughs> on it it's, I've only got to look at Alyssa Edwards and doing you know one of her famous sort of sort of noises and it? it it makes me crease but yeah there's there's a lot yeah, yeah. Um, are you currently watching them Yes, nine. I'm. I'm up to date. I know he's gone. I won't do any spoilers, but no, yeah, no, no. I love it. Um, and if you, have, yeah, yeah, if you haven't seen All Stars two, that is fantastic. That is so good. Oh yes, and we loved uh, we loved Detox on that one. Yeah, I'm. I, I was. Um, and a door. Yeah, yeah, I love Adore. Um, <clears throat> Alyssa was one of my favourites on that as well. But there was oh, I can't remember who was rooting for. I now. wonder if anybody oh, who listens to this podcast, Katya, and Katya, yeah, well, Katia. of course, of course, Katya should have won. Yeah. Um, if anybody who's listened to this podcast doesn't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, then actually drop me a line. I'm actually intrigued to see if there is anybody out there who is like, I just wish they'd jump on for this. Because, <laughs> uh, sorry, we only touch on it briefly, but it's always there. Um, and finally, what's next for you in life, Tony? Oh, oh well, thanks for throwing that one at me at the end. Yeah, <laughs> great. I'll, I'm just going to go back for a recommendation. Line of Duty as well. Brilliant. Fantastic. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah so, um, which I haven't watched yet. Um, I don't know. You um, you're always, you know, just seeing what comes around the corner. I mean, I've 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 always lived as a sort of said a bit of a nomadic existence yeah. where it's like looking at different things and what other opportunities pop up. There's a couple of projects I'm wanting to write at the moment of my own. Um, there's one which is a thing where it sort of mixes my love of comedy with crime, which very few things do. Mm-hmm. So I've got a little idea about that, which. Um, which I'm hoping to to write and develop. Exciting. Um, and um, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing a little bit more acting. Um, you know, try and do a l- little bit of that, and um, yeah, just see see where yeah, it takes. Yeah, good, good to have you back on stage again nice. at some point soon. <laughs> and then finally, if people would like to find you now, Tony's not a frantic Twitterer. Or right. a frantic Instagram. No, apparently, I think I'm on Instagram, but I don't even know how <laughs> to get on it. Yeah, it's got a picture of me and says I've, I've, you know, I've hooked up with like half my Facebook friends, but I'm like, I haven't got a clue, <laughs> so I don't understand any of it. But um, yeah, I'm so, on Facebook. So Facebook uh, under Tony Higgins. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it. But, <laughs> I'm sure no one will get in touch with me, but you know, <laughs> and and if you do want to, and you want to. <laughs> Uh, drag him in as a as an interviewee for your podcast for any reasons and uh, then find him there or you can contact me and I can pass your details onwards so Tony thank you so very much for being a wonderful guest today thank you I don't want to end it like we're on Jonathan Ross but I'm <laughs> doing and I'm doing funny head gestures but anyway thank you Tony um, and uh, say goodbye to the world bye bye <laughs> I don't know what else to say apart from that <laughs>